0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2. And I have a, a question for you. If we are called to have joy in every circumstance, and and we are, we're we're called to have joy, and by the way, nobody told me for like, we're on episode seven of this series, Philippians has been spelled wrong on my graphic the entire time, and nobody said anything. (laughs) Fail, (laughs) on my part. So we're not putting that up today because I didn't have time to fix it, but I did find it and we are going to fix it next week. (laughs) All right, question, if we are called to have joy in every circumstance, what might represent an obstacle to that joy? And if you were here last week, you you got a a sneak peek to what we're going to be talking about, and I'm surprised you all still came. Complaining. Complaining. As I mentioned last week, we're we're moving on from taking responsibility for our own spiritual lives, our own spiritual well-being, clarification, not our salvation. And now we're moving into how do we live that life? What is the, the manner and the method in which we live the life that Jesus Christ decided to come and die on a cross for? The whole time I was preparing this message, I was, I couldn't help but think of a road trip and think of that van with like 10 kids in the back and the mom and dad are in the front and and every kid in the back is arguing and punching the other kid and it's just this rowdy mess and they're going like, this is their 10th day on the road across the country and, and dad's just saying, I will pull this van over. That's kind of, Maybe I'm reading a little too much into it, but it feels like that might be what Paul's saying when he's writing to the Philippians in this chapter, is I will pull this van over (laughs) if you guys aren't able to to get your your complaining in order. As we listen to Paul exhorting the the Philippians, maybe it's it's not quite that harsh, (laughs) but what I, I always have to kind of look back at is there's a reason he's saying what he's saying. Paul's not just like, well, here's, this seems like something that could be relevant. No, there, there's a reason that he shares the things that he shares. He's received news from, from others in terms of what's happening in that area. He has observations that he's, he's seen. There's, there's something that's driving him to share what he's sharing. If we are going to be people that are called by the name of Jesus, who are the bearers of his image, then shouldn't we be able to do it without a complaining spirit? If we want to make a difference in the world that we have been placed in, then don't we have to sound different from the world that we have been placed in? Just stop and think about that for a minute. How can you make a difference in in your world? And I'm saying that very specifically because your world is different than mine. The the people that you are around are different than the people I'm around. The, The things that you know, the things that you do are different than the things that I know and the things that I do. If I'm to make a difference in the world that I have been placed in, shouldn't I look, be, sound, act different? may have heard this before, we are known by the words that we say. Every single one of us. That means that the jokes that I tell, the, the conversations that I participate in, everything that I say makes up how others know me. And you know it's true because there's those times where you're in the grocery store and that one person comes towards you and you all know who this one person is. They come towards you and you're like I need to turn around right now cuz I don't want to be talking to them. It, you know their words. And you know what they're going to say. And you know you don't want to be a part of that. You know what that interaction is going to be and just like that person is known by your their words, you are too. What, what a scary thought to think, well, gosh, are there people that see me in the grocery store and turn around? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> We're called to rid ourselves of complaining as we follow Jesus. I have been given a perfect savior. Perfect in every way. He has saved me perfectly. He has met every single need that exists in my life perfectly. Have have I had my own thoughts about what those needs should have been? Yeah, but he was better than me. He knew better than I did. I have been given a perfect savior, so why should I complain about imperfect things? as someone who is a, a follower of Jesus, an imperfect person following a perfect God, why am I surprised when the things of this world fall short? Because they're gonna. I mean, I'm, I'm sure most of us could just use this morning as, as an example. If you look back to your morning, there's probably something where are like, well, that could have gone better. but we can't be surprised that the things of this world fall short. Because thank you, Jesus, our God is not a God of this world. Our God is a God of eternity. Well, he's a God of this world too, but he's a God of of eternity, not just this world. Let's say it that way. In the midst of whatever I find myself complaining about, if I stop and and ask myself, is this an example of God failing me? Is this an example of God falling short in my life? Probably not, because God doesn't fail me. God doesn't fall short in my life. Then does this truly deserve all of the attention, all of the mind space, all of the words that I am dedicating to it? And the answer is probably not. If we look at what the, the study, the, the overall theme of this book has been, we're calling it Everyday Joy. And what this means is that even in the midst of terrible, terrible things, there can be joy. We always look back to the source. In terms of, of the, the source of, of this writing, this message, we have the Apostle Paul worshiping in prison. If you're in prison for, for nothing that you have done wrong, I mean, that, that feels like if you're going to have an a, a excuse to complain, a reason to complain, that's probably a pretty safe bet. And you can bet that the prisons during that time were probably a lot different than the prisons during this time. Paul being beaten being imprisoned, being in chains for something that he did. Yes, he he proclaimed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he was the Savior of the world, and because of that, he was put in jail. But instead of complaining, instead of, of dwelling on his circumstance, instead he lifts his eyes up to where his help comes from, and he says, no, I will choose in this moment that... Absolutely, I could choose to, to complain and said, I'm going to choose to have joy. I'm going to choose to worship. I'm going to fight against the, the complaints and the murmuring that exists in this life. In Philippians two fourteen through 18, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation this morning, we're going to talk about five reasons why we should stop whining. <laughs> Guys, I'm talking to me today, okay? You can come along for the ride if you want. Does he really mean all things? Maybe I could just stop complaining about like some of the things. No, he, he means He means all things. And and the first reason why we need to stop whining is whining hurts our witness. Our words hurt our ability to witness to the rest of the world. What you say. What you say has an impact on how others perceive the gospel of Christ. Did you know that? What you post on social media has an impact on how others view the gospel of Christ. Just stop and think about it for a minute, please. The words that you say, the interactions that you have behind a keyboard and a screen that have your name associated to it directly impact your ability to witness to a world who is dying. Is it That important for us to be right. For us to get our point. Well, maybe they just don't understand. Maybe I can convince them that red states are better than blue states. Maybe I can just convince them that that this is the right way to wear a mask. I'm sure none of those conversations have happened. I'm sure I can just convince them that this is where coronavirus came from. Man, I'm gonna get all sorts of letters today. When your words sound just like the world's words, no one is gonna be able to tell the difference. What is your attitude? Your attitude is an external demonstration of the condition of your heart. Your attitude is an external demonstration of the condition of your heart. It's the outward showing of how you're you're acting, how your heart is inside. When we stop complaining and instead shine the light of Jesus, lives can change. What if, when the rest of the world was stuck in fear, Providing opinion on on every single current event, every single political leader, every topic under the sun. What if, as followers of Jesus, we rose above those distractions and instead we pointed to a joy that could be theirs in the midst of all of those things? Church, we just came out of something that was our opportunity to do that. And I think we we did, we we, we did that, can can we do better? You bet. Can we do better? Yes, we can do better. And the next time that we have an opportunity to step up and say, hey, yeah, this is scary. This is hard. People are, are dying. But even in the midst of that, we can still have joy. We can still have peace and hope because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who is not surprised by the current events of this world. We have a God who is in control. It's so important to recognize that we're not better than those people that are having those concerns. We're not better than the people that are getting caught up in the midst uh, of all of the things that are happening around them, but we are striving to be different. What's another reason that we should stop whining? Whining distracts from the gospel. How many words are spoken on an average day? Anybody have any guesses? What's that, <laughs> Wendy? You said that I did not say that, and we are not going there. <laughs> it's it, more than that. More, uh, more than four. So it's seven, seven thousand, and obviously you, everybody has somebody in their head that they're just like, well, it's got to be double that for that person. <laughs> <laughs> How many words are spoken on an average day? 7,000 words. How many words are spoken in a person's lifetime? If we assume that on average people live to be 80, obviously I'm playing with some fuzzy math here. If we assume that people live to be 80 years old then the average person speaks about 204,540,000 words, and that sounds like a big number, but here's the idea. Of those 7,000 words in that day, you, you have a finite number. You will never have more words that you get to speak, whether it's a little more or a little less. It is a number that come 12 o'clock at midnight, you have used your words. How have you used those words? How have I used those words? Jesus. Good. But the question is, have there been times, have there there been seasons where you look back at how you used those 7,000 words and you recognize that maybe I used more of those words to complain about the circumstance that I'm in versus giving praise to God for what he has done in my life? How many of my 7,000 words have I allotted to exalting the name of Jesus and making the name of Jesus known throughout the world compared to the number of words that I use to talk about the shortcomings of that one person that we all have in our life? Every single word that we waste on bad news is, the opportun- is a loss of an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus. Another reason why we should stop whining. Whining overlooks the promise of eternity. We are called to have an eternal perspective. We're called to recognize that just like our words have a a finite amount. There there is a specific amount of words that I will speak on this earth. And just like our words, there is a finite, a a very specific number of days that I will live on this earth. Do I know them? No. No. Only God knows how many days I will live on this earth. But we are to have an eternal perspective, recognizing that the struggles and the hardships of this life, the hard things that you go through, have an end point. Thank you, Jesus. Paul is saying that he wants to be proud of the temporary existence that he lives here on earth until Jesus comes. You would have a right to be let down if this was the only life that you had to look forward to. (laughs) Complain all you want. But that's not the case. We have a resurrected life to come. In Romans 8, 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Another reason to stop whining. Whining robs our opportunity to serve. Did you know that God can use the hardest situations in your life to be your greatest opportunity to impact a world for Him? If I'm serving at a hospital by by emptying bedpans on the weekends which I know they don't let you do that anymore but like if that was just a thing I need that for my example okay just go with me if you're you're doing that and that that's good that that's that's kind of you to be giving of your time my question would be, is that, is that something that maybe somebody who has no idea who you are on the other side of the world is going to be like, man, did you hear that Jeff was like going to the hospital and he was emptying out bedpans? That's amazing. That would be nice. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, nobody's going to be like, I mean, that's not like shout it from the rooftops type of information typically. But I have, have shared the example of a, a woman's life, we've talked about Cory Tinboom. We've talked about Betsy Tinboom, who were both in German concentration camps for harboring Jews in their hometown. Betsy was racked with dysentery. She was racked with all of these these different issues. She was in a hospital ward in a concentration camp. That is not a good place to be. And in the midst of her sickness, in the midst of her illness, her pain, her sorrow, her wondering, is there, what's going to happen? She goes and she starts emptying out the bedpans of the the other women in the, the concentration camp that she's around, ministering to them, sharing the gospel of Jesus to them. what we see is that in the midst of suffering, when we choose to serve versus complain, it, it transforms that surface. So now it, sorry Jeff, you, that, that wasn't necessarily the proclaiming it from the rooftops, but now we have the exact same thing. And I have no idea who this woman is. I wasn't alive when she was alive. I was across the world and I still know what it is that she has done. Her service is furthering the gospel of Christ, even today. Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That translation is so fitting. I love that first section. And we know that in all things, God works. In the midst of a Nazi concentration camp where millions of people are dying, God still works. God can work in the midst of your suffering. Joseph recognized that his suffering was meant for evil. His brothers chucked him into a pit, and they were going to sell him off. Originally, they wanted to kill him, but then they decided, yeah, we'll, we'll sell him off as a slave to Egypt. And he, we know the story. He, he becomes second in command to Pharaoh. He saves his family. He saves the people of Egypt from famine. He is the, the patriarch of the Israelite nation. That what his brothers did to him was meant for evil, but God worked it together to be good, to save his chosen people. The last reason we need to stop whining is that it leaves a bad example. My attitude whether it is good or bad, sets the standard for those around me. Paul lived his life knowing that his attitude was affecting the people around him. He recognized, I have an opportunity in this prison cell to either choose to complain about the lot that I live and in so doing become like every other prisoner here or I can choose to lift up the name of Jesus and be an example not just to the prisoners that are here but the people that are guarding me, the people that are coming to visit me, the people that I am writing to. And which of those two is going to have a better impact for the kingdom of God? will either of those two have a positive result in getting me out of this situation? Probably not. I mean, stop and think about that for a minute. If you can recognize that that neither one of those approaches is really going to have any direct impact on whether or not he gets to be out of prison, then why not pick the one that has a benefit associated to it? I mean, we, we don't think about it that way very often because we're human. <laughs> we're human. And it's human to, to, reckon, to, to be stuck and to focus on our humanness, our discomfort, the, th- the fact that we don't have what we want. I mean... Look back a year. How many times have there has there been something where, man, I really want to go have, have this meal. It's like, oh, I can't. They're closed down. Or man, I really want to go into this. Or Oh, that that, that particular shop is now closed. It is, that's not a thing anymore. I, I want to come to church in and, and person. And oh, we can't. We have to watch online. There's all of these things that we want to do. And so we can either choose to go forward with that and say, okay, well, this is the way it is. And I'm going to choose to glorify God in the midst of it, or this is the way it is, and I'm going to make everybody aware of how I feel. Question Are you focusing on the negative more than the positive? Are you disappointed on earth because you are longing for heaven? Have you made your comforts the priority? Do your words lately reveal a grateful heart or a grumbling spirit? This is not answer aloud time. This is time to, to look inside. This is time to to stop and to recognize that there there is an opportunity this morning, regardless of everything that has existed in your life up to this point, this second, we can stop and say, God, I commit my spirit to you. God, I, I commit my words to you. Do your words reveal a grateful heart or a grumbling spirit? Heavenly Father, We come this morning. God, we recognize that we've all fallen short. Every single one of us has fallen short. God, you work. You work in the midst of us falling short. God, you, miss, you work in the midst of the circumstances around us falling short. God, you work in the midst of injustice. You work in the midst of, of hardship. You work in the midst of sickness. God, you don't just, just work so it, it passes, so it gets by. You, you work to make all things good, all things new. Lord, as we, we look forward, we, we lift our heads up and we recognize our help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. My help doesn't come from the things of this world, And with that perspective, Lord, I ask that you would would remind us of that everyday joy that is available. God, as we go from this place, help us to be mindful. Help us to be cognizant of, of what it is that we are saying, the example that we are living the witness that, that exists in our life. God, our lives are a testimony to your goodness. My life is a testimony to your greatness, God, to, to who you are in spite of who I am. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today.